Hey everybody, before we get started with today's episode, I want to remind you about Bravenly Global. I have personally been using the weight management bundle, but we offer much more than that. You can choose from weight management, detox and gut reset, energy and stress support, and total body balance. Our products and supplements are plant-based, loaded with vitamins and minerals, and some of them are even formulated for men and women. Click the link in my bio on all my social media platforms, go to my Bravenly store, sign up as a customer, and place your order. You can also sign up as a Bravenly ambassador for just $9.99 and get 10% off your order and product credit. I'm still enjoying more sustainable energy, a smaller waistline, and looser clothes. So go check out my Bravenly store today. Good morning and welcome to the Be Unconventional podcast. I'm your host, Rakita Harper, and I'm here to help you win this week. So let's dive right in. Oh, I almost forgot. Another announcement I want to make is about the podcast app called Anchor. A-N-C-H-O-R. Some of you listening have been thinking about starting your own podcast. Well, Anchor makes it easy for you. This platform is so user-friendly and they'll distribute your episodes on all your favorite podcast platforms. All you have to do is go to anchor.fm to learn more. And then I mentioned it was a free service, right? That's what matters the most. (laughs) So again, go to anchor.fm to get started on your podcast. Happy Labor Day, everybody. I am so excited to let you guys know that today is my birthday. I am 35 today. And as you saw on the post on social media, I'm going to be talking about some birthday reflections. Every year, um, I believe ever since I was maybe 18, I just started reflecting on what it meant to be alive another year. I started thinking about what I survived in the past year, what I've learned. And today, I'm going to share some birthday reflections with you. Not so much what I've learned within a year. We'll talk about that. But I want to talk about 35 years of friendships, 35 years of pain and promises. Um, I'm going to talk to you about these life lessons that I've learned, you know, the past three decades and what it feels like in the middle of this decade, right? All of it ties into me being delivered from performance. And when I say performance, I mean performance-based righteousness, performance-based Christianity, Performing for other people's affection, attention, and acceptance. No more. No more. So let's talk about 35 years of friendships. If you know me, you know that I love people. I am such an extrovert. I mean like a thousand and fifteen percent extrovert. 
And having a lot of friends used to mean a lot to me. I remember being a little girl and just wanting to have a lot of friends. And it's not that I don't like having a lot of friends. I like having a lot of people who rock with me, for sure. But I don't call everybody friend anymore. I'm very intentional about who I call friend, who I allow to call me a friend, who I spend quality time with, and so on. It's way more intentional now than it was (laughs) two decades ago, I should say. So I... A lesson that I learned is that friends come and go. Um, I am still friendly with people that I used to go to high school with, but we probably won't hang out. I can say, oh, that's my classmate, but will I really call her or him a friend? There are very few people that I call friends nowadays. And there's nothing wrong with that. You grow apart. You grow um, closer to people. And you kind of have to gauge where you are in your life. Set some boundaries. You know, who needs to be a part of your circle and who doesn't. Like I said, friends come and go. And another lesson I learned is that when they go, let them go. Don't force relationships whether it be work relationships, business relationships, marriage, dating, what have you. Don't force relationships. If people choose to walk away from you, let them. It's the best thing that you can do for your soul. I promise you. Um, One other thing that I would say is I've learned to desire covenant friendships. And by covenant friendships, I mean those who are equally yoked and equally surrendered to God. Um, In the Bible, David and Jonathan are what we would call covenant friends. David made a promise to Jonathan before he died um, that if anything happened to him, he would take care of his household. And David kept his word, went back after Jonathan had died, looking for anybody related to him because he wanted to keep his promise. And those are the kind of friends that I feel like we all need in our lives, those covenant friendships. And I am so grateful that in my 35 years, the Lord has blessed me with a few covenant friends. And these friends, we don't have to talk every day. We don't have to text all the time. But these are people who can pick up in the spirit what I'm going through, what I need, and speak into my life. Pray me through situations. Those friends cannot be separated from me. (laughs) Um, I need them just as much as they need me. These are friends that I can be minding my own business at home and the Holy Spirit will tell me, you know, pick up the phone and encourage so-and-so. And And it's just what they needed, right? So um, covenant friends are the people that I would say should be desired. They should be desired. Um, When I say equally yoked friendships, I mean like 
I, I have so many, I have so much diversity in my friendships, right? Not all of my friends are serving the Lord. Not all of my friends are in ministry. Not all of my friends are Christian. And some of you may say, oh my God, you know, don't be yoked up with unbelievers. No, 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 no. Um, I haven't always been a believer. <laughs> so some of my friendships are from when I wasn't a believer. But when I became a Christian, they accepted me and they loved me. And they um, admire the decisions that I've made for my life. They celebrate that. Why get rid of those people? Um, so when I say, you know, equally yoked, while I do have friends who are not doing the same thing as I am or into the same things as I am, um, I understand the importance of having them around, um, especially so that I can be a light, so that I could be Jesus to them, right? Um, but my equally yoked friends are those who are kind of like the covenant friends, you know, but these are just people who understand you, who get you, you know, if we're riding in the car and all of a sudden I have to pull over because I'm, you know, <laughs> overwhelmed by the love of God. And maybe I just need a good old worship session on the side of the road. They're not going to look at me crazy. They get it because they too are equally yoked with me. They understand Christianity. They understand the spirit. It's very important to have people like that around you that just get you, right? Um, I think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I think of them when I think of equally yoked friendships and Daniel. Um, they were all committed and surrendered to the Lord. They stuck together against the tyranny of the leaders of Babylon. They just, whatever society threw at them, they understood each other. <laughs> and nowadays, I mean, America is like giving Babylon. <laughs> so society's coming at us, trying to pressure us to stop confessing Jesus. They, you know, put pressure on us in terms of who we vote for. They put pressure on us in terms of, you know, what we believe about gender or whatever, like all these ideologies that the world has, they pressure us believers to go with the status quo. And it's so good to have equally yoked people around. When things like this are going on in the world around us, it's just good to have a few people who understand that you still want to pray over your food, that you still want to stand for the national anthem, that you still want to, you know, bless those who curse you. Right. It's just good to have equally yoked people around and maintaining childhood friendships. Man, listen, I have one friend. I love her so much. We have been friends for so long. I don't remember when we became friends. That's the truth. I cannot tell you like I feel like she's just always been in my life. I've always been in hers, but it's just ridiculous how close we are. It's crazy. So we always say we've been friends uh, since diapers. 
which is probably true. Who knows? I just know we grew up in the same neighborhood, but I feel like I was at her house just as much as I was at my own. I remember a season we went through in middle school uh, where I her siblings are older than us. And so they were out of the house and I had a room at her house, I had a toothbrush at her house. I had clothes over there and vice versa. Like that's how close we were. And nothing, no one just, nothing and no one can stop this friendship. Like this is one of those, that's a ride or die. You talk about a ride or die, that's the one. Um, loyal to the bone. Like I said, she'll be 35 in October. So we literally have been friends since diapers. (laughs) And I refuse to let her go. And the cool thing about our friendship is that we don't agree on everything. We don't see eye to eye on everything. But that's my sister. Like nobody can tell me that is not my sister. And I feel like it's so important to maintain your childhood friendships. If you have somebody in your life that you've been friends with since diapers or even since middle school, I have another best friend. These are my two very best friends, Kendra and Courtney. Kendra's the one that I say we've been friends since diapers. Courtney, are, it's like we've known each other since, I don't know, pre-K or kindergarten. I don't know. We've known each other that long, but our friendship started more so around middle school. And it just grew from there. Um, We were college roommates together. I remember uh, being in a car with her. I'm not going to get all off into that story. Just know that my car malfunctioned (laughs) and we literally almost died together. And I remember Like having y'all heard my testimony, um, I'm sure by now, if you're an avid listener, you've heard my testimony about how I grew up in church, but I never really believed in God. And I had so many questions that remained unanswered. So I just respected my family enough not to keep asking those questions. But Courtney, man, she was saved. (laughs) And I remember we were riding in my car and it malfunctioned. And we were literally accelerating. She couldn't break. And we were on a major highway in Texas. And it was so, so curvy. It was really, really late at night. And I remember her being so calm. She was driving my car. She was so calm. But we knew something was wrong. And it was just like, we just felt like our lives were over at that point. And um, we were prepared, you know, like, <laughs> about to get up out of here love you girl love you too but I remember her saying God please God please and I remember that car slowing down on its own because she would she couldn't break um the car slowed down on its own I think we got up to maybe like a hundred and thirty miles per hour on a major highway in Texas like not even joking But the car slowed down on its own. And I remember it felt like a miracle. And I'm just like, wow, I'm glad one of us um, had the faith for that because I didn't. And so that's a friendship for my childhood that's not going anywhere. When, (laughs) when.
when you've been through something like that with somebody, it actually makes you closer. So that's a life lesson that I learned. Like, don't let go of good people and be good to good people, right? So now I want to talk to you about 35 years of pain and promises. Now, I'm going to talk about some of the things that I've gone through that I learned from, but I don't glorify pain. I don't glorify trauma. I'm not making a ministry or a platform off of hurt. My platform is based on victory and and how to remain victorious. But before every victory comes some kind of setback, some kind of trial. And I always say to myself, Rakita, you don't know what's on the other side of those emotions until you go through those emotions, work through those emotions, um, you know, seeing through those emotions, like just don't let your emotions drive you. Right. So like for the first 10 years of my life, it was full of pain. Y'all have heard my testimony about, you know, being molested at age nine and how that like, you know, from age, actually from age nine to 19, I was just overwhelmed with perversion and, you know, being introduced to porn at a young age, just like it was full of pain and like traumatic events. And especially like with like relationship with my parents was just all out of whack and then that second decade of my life like I remember getting saved I know like when Jesus found me you know I was lost and he was looking for me that's the beauty of Christianity y'all he comes and he finds you and he saved me from myself there was um some pain even present after salvation but as I've matured in the Lord, I realize a lot of the pain I went through at age from age 19 to 29, a lot of that pain was self-inflicted, mostly because I really didn't have a revelation of how much Jesus loved me. I really didn't. And not only that, but like I got saved and the first church I went to was strictly performance-based Christianity. There was no real gospel being spoken. It was just like, you got to do this. You got to do this. You can't do this. You can't go here. You know, you can't listen to this. You can't. It was just so legalistic. And I found myself always in performance mode. I got to do this to be accepted. I got to do this to be to get attention. I got to do, you know, do this to get affection, like just work and work and work and work and work and toiling, toiling, toiling. And not only with human relationships, but like feeling like I had to do that for God. You know what I mean? If if I had a revelation of how much he loved me, man, I'd be a totally different person. If I knew then what I know now. I'd be a totally different 35-year-old, not even joking. Then I remember, um, you know, while I was in that legalistic church, I remember getting engaged for the first time and, you know, being publicly humiliated because he decided decided to leave two months before the wedding and then show up to random churches that we used to fellowship with, with a new girlfriend who happened to be one of my best friends. So like (laughs) one of my best friends at that time, 
right? Very, very close friend considered her a sister and they ended up getting married. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I ended up staying single for like five years because I just couldn't bear the idea of like getting back into a relationship. But I desired to be in a relationship. I really did, but I was afraid. And so I remember uh, dating after that first engagement. I remember dating. And one of the lessons I learned is like, if you don't know how much you're loved by God, you are not going to be able to recognize when a man doesn't love you the way he should. Like, it is so important to know the love of God before getting into a relationship with somebody. And if you're a man listening to this, before you yoke up with a woman, find out if she knows how much God loves her. Do you, young man, know and understand how much God loves you? Um, It's so, so, so important. And I didn't know. But so I was just dating wrong. You know what I'm saying? Just wasting time. Um, But even in that, even in wasting time dating, I was able to find out what was really, really important to me. And I was I kind of had a chip on my shoulder when it came to my love life. I believed that everything was under God's control, um, that his sovereignty and all that kind of stuff. And um, I won't get into the theology of that, but I will say this. Um, People have a free will and God gave us dominion and God gave us, you know, free will. And so, yes, he's sovereign, but in his sovereignty, he has given us authority. Okay, so I had this perception of God that he allowed um my public humiliation with my first engagement um i also thought it was a punishment you know i thought god was punishing me by making him walk away i had this mentality of the lord giveth and the lord take it away but that kind of mentality that belief system will will cause you to be angry with god subconsciously So I was dating people that I knew God wouldn't approve, but I'm like, well, you suck at helping me find a mate. So I'm just going to find one on my own. That was the action. And that was the motive behind the action. And so I dated even in that when his word says that he'll never leave you nor forsake you, even in your sin, even man, even in your stupid decisions and poor, poor decisions and stupid mistakes. Like he's right there. He never left me. And I just remember, um, you know, being 20, it was my 28th birthday. And I remember praying to God. I had had a dream the night before my birthday and I saw this, um, large group of people and Martin Luther King was in the dream but it was a large group of people and the the way this dream was it was like Martin Luther King was in black and white and everybody else was in color so it literally looked like a scene from the 60s and everybody else was like modern day and I was standing along alongside him and there was a banner 
um, that read, um, we are free. And I gave a speech. It was like at a football stadium. I gave a speech and there was thousands and thousands of people around and I was doing a call for unity and, um, embracing one another. It was like, a like a motivational thing. I remember, like I said, it was the night before my 28th birthday and I woke up on my birthday and said, Lord, are you going to have me do something like this? Like, are you going to have me do something that big? If so, I would like a partner. I don't want to do anything that big and not have anybody to share it with. So I remember praying for a ministry partner and I said these words. I said, God, I don't just want a husband. I want a ministry partner. I want somebody who's going to understand my heart and passion for you in the local church. So I left it alone. A couple of weeks later, met a guy, great guy. We dated for like four months. And I remember going to bed one night and it just like I just felt prompted to say, Lord, I can't have him, can I? And I heard no. No. The very next day, I broke up with him. But what made it interesting was that he, I said, I want to talk to you. And he said, I want to talk to you too. Let me go first. And he said to me, I feel like I'm doing you a disservice by keeping you around. You are going to be a great wife to somebody, but we don't want the same things. He literally said, I don't want to have to compete with the church. You spend too much time at the church and I want a wife that when I say I want to go somewhere for the weekend, you don't have to be on your post or, well, can we do it after church or, oh, I have worship rehearsal. And so I heard his heart um, and I thanked him for his honesty. <laughs> but at the same time, I heard the Holy Spirit. Remember what you prayed for. If you prayed for that, then you have to trust me to bring you that. So that was a lesson in that. But another lesson in that was, even if I married a guy that God approved, he still shouldn't have to compete with the church. So that was a whole nother lesson within a lesson. Okay. Um, I remember I said uh, to the Lord that I wanted to be married by the time I was 30. Like that was like icing on the cake. And I met Delton in 2016. And never in a million years would I have thought I would have married that man. He felt the same way. Like, there's no way I'm going to marry her. But God gave us new eyes for each other. Uh, God sent somebody that was already approved by him. And he put me in the path of Delton. And God had already approved of me. And we sought the Lord about marrying each other. We went to the Lord about that. And we had peace about that. So here I am getting married at age 29 in July of 2017, just two months before my 30th birthday. And that's why I called this segment 35 Years of Pain and Promises. God kept his promise to me while I was in pain. He was showing me his plan for my life. 
And I had to get in a position to where I was just going to dive in head first and just be consumed by his will for my life, right? And so here I am at 29 getting married. And I just remember praying, Lord, this is going to be one of the best decades of my life. And I am 35 years old, five years in to my third decade. And I'm telling you, life with Jesus is so much sweeter. My husband and I are not just equally yoked, but we're equally surrendered to the Lord. I love Jesus more than I love my husband. My husband loves Jesus more than he loves me. We are surrendered, committed to the Lord. And I haven't always been, but I am now. Like, I mean, sold out fully, (laughs) you know, I love doing ministry with my husband. We started doing ministry together and navigating through our insecurities and feelings of inadequacy, right? So it all goes back to the love of God and not feeling like we have to do something to earn something or to get God to do something. Um, I remember when my husband said he was, you know, got accepted to Karis Bible College. I did not want to go to Karis. I did not want to go to Karis, let alone move to Colorado. Like I didn't want to do any of that. And I had to remember what I prayed for. The Lord reminded me as I was being selfish about everything. You go to Colorado. You go and serve the Lord. You go figure out what you're supposed to be doing. I'm going to stay in Texas. I'm going to stay a realtor. And I'm going to hold it down here. And willing to separate from my husband for a season uh, just to have my way. And the only thing my husband asked me to do was pray in the spirit about it. He wasn't going to force me, but because he was surrendered to God, he was going to go to Colorado with or without me because he knew that he had to. And once I prayed about it, I realized Mm-mm. you prayed for a ministry partner. You prayed for someone that would love God more than he loved you. You prayed for someone who could hear God for his family. And I got that. That's a promise. Delton is a promise from God. And that's what I had to remember. He could have been wanting to do anything. The man wanted to go to Bible college. And so here I am with him, (laughs) surrendered, right? I had to remember what I prayed for. We're both surrendered to the call. And now current day, I have been delivered from rejection I have been delivered from performance. I am free from the opinion of man. I am resting in Christ. And I am being strengthened, established, settled, and perfected in the Lord. I have received him, so I am walking in him. This is what 35 is for Rakita. And I just hope that through everything that I've said, everything that I've mentioned, that you're hearing something for your own life, that you're taking bits and pieces of this wisdom and that it's speaking to you right where you are. You too can be free from performance. I'm living a life right now where I understand 
I do not have to do anything to earn righteousness, to earn forgiveness, grace, and mercy, but that it is freely given to me because I am loved by God. But what I will do is apply the word of God to my life. Just because I'm forgiven, just because there's grace and mercy, just because he has made me righteous does not mean that I don't have to apply the word of God to my life. The Bible says to not just be hearers of the word, but doers. Don't just be hearers only, but doers. So right now in my life, I am being very, very intentional about taking the word of God and doing something with it. Right? If I read a scripture about doing good to those who are especially in the household of faith, looking for an opportunity to do good, well, then guess what? I need to take that scripture and I need to wake up every morning and say, God, give me an opportunity to do good. You know what I mean? The Bible says, love your neighbor. Okay, so then I got to do it. (laughs) You know, give and it shall be given unto you. Okay, so then I need to give. Like not just reading the word and gaining head knowledge. And no, understanding the scripture and then applying it to my life. That's where I am right now. And that is real freedom. That is real freedom. So I just wanted to leave you guys with that. Nothing major today. Just wanted to talk about what it means to be delivered from performance. I may stick on this one for a little bit. Um, But, you know, with today being my birthday and all, I just wanted to share some birthday reflections and let you know how life is for me at 35 right now today, being free and delivered from performance, resting in the love of Jesus. It is so fulfilling, so rewarding so peaceful to just realize that I'm seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus so I can rest in him. He has done the work. He is continuing to do a work. He will complete the work. And all I have to do is labor to enter into the rest. And by labor, it's just, it's basically putting my faith to work putting my faith to work to enter into the rest of Christ. And that's all I have for you today. So I hope you enjoy your Labor Day. I am definitely going to enjoy it as it is my birthday. And I will talk to you guys next week. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for showing us what it means to be delivered from performance. I pray that something I said today touches the heart of each and every listener. I pray, Lord God, that you continue to reveal your love for them, your plan for their lives. I know, Lord, that you are so eager to fulfill your promises in their lives. So I pray that they position themselves to hear from you to learn from you, to understand you, and to be overwhelmed by your love and grace. I thank you for 35 years on earth. I thank you for the lessons that I've learned, the wisdom that I've gained, and I pray that it touches somebody today, Lord. I thank you for it. I praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.
And now I want to pray for those of you who have not yet accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible tells us in John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only Son, and whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. John 10, 10, Jesus explains the difference between he and Satan. And he says, the thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Hebrews 9 verse 15 says, So Jesus is the one who has enacted a new covenant with a new relationship with God so that those who accept the invitation will receive the internal inheritance he has promised to his heirs. For he died to release us from the guilt of the violations committed under the first covenant. And lastly, Romans 10, 9 says, And what is God's living message? It is the revelation of faith for salvation, which is the message that we preach. For if you publicly declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So repeat after me and take this next step towards true freedom that is only found in Christ. Jesus, I recognize my need for a savior because you so willingly gave your life for me. I willingly give my life to you. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord, and I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. I want you to be the Lord and Savior of my life, so I receive my salvation now. I receive the physical, emotional, and mental healing that comes with my new life. Thank you, Jesus, for freeing me of my guilt and shame. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. And just like that, welcome to the kingdom of God. Angels are rejoicing now because of your decision. This is the first day of the best days of your new life. If today's episode was a blessing to you, or if you received Jesus into your heart, There are a few ways you can let me know so I and other listeners can celebrate with you. Number one, subscribe and leave a review. Number two, send me a private message on the Be Unconventional Instagram and Facebook socials. Or you can email me at rakitaharper at gmail.com. Number three, leave what I would like to call a victory voicemail by simply using the link in the bio of the Be Unconventional socials on Instagram and Facebook. Your voicemail may end up on an episode. And lastly, share with others. I'm your host, Rakita Harper, reminding you to be encouraged, be empowered, be inspired, but most importantly, be unconventional.